Well, good morning. morning. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I know we did at our house. Um, We had a house full of family members. Uh, This was our first Thanksgiving with newlyweds in the house. Uh, So that was that was actually very, very special. Um, But one of the things that was really great is and I'll let you in on a little secret. Molly has found the secret to a stress free Thanksgiving day. I'll let you in on the secret. Buy the turkey already cooked and carve it the night before. <laughs> and it's and it's funny because as as I was thinking about that, I didn't think I didn't realize until just a few minutes ago how much that example is in keeping with the message for this morning uh, about the importance and benefits of preparing for the future. Um, so if you've been here the last few weeks, you've heard Pastor Phil uh, and his series on. You can't take it with you. Um, and, and a lot of the focus of that has been how we deal uh, with our money and possessions in this world, right? Because after all, we can't take it with us. Um, and, and the message this morning is, is very much in line with that, also in line with the idea of gratitude. Because, you know, if you, if you came here this morning thinking that you were going to hear a message on Thanksgiving and gratitude, well, I'm, I'm happy to say I'll be more than happy to oblige you. Um, and as a matter of fact, I, I think it might actually be a rule somewhere. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think it might be in like some church rule book somewhere that says if you're going to speak on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, you have to speak on gratitude. So... Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a rule follower, not one to break a rule, so here we go. Um, but this morning, what I want to do is I want to key off of something um, from Pastor Phil's message last week um, and, and really focus in on a, on a key concept. And it was one of the ones that was found in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and 19. Um, and we're going to anchor on that, and we're going to anchor on, on one other set of verses this morning. But... I want to go ahead and talk about the, the first Timothy verses, because it says um, in first Timothy, Paul's talk writing to Timothy. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share in this way. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. And and specifically what I want us to talk about this morning is that that part of verse 19 where it says lay up treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. Or in other words, to prepare for our retirement. Think about that for a minute. If we can't take it with us, then what we're doing in this life is really all about preparing for our retirement. And I'm not talking about earthly retirement, right? What I'm talking about as, um, is, is the big retirement, right? As Shakespeare says, the, the time when we have shuffled off this mortal coil. Um, because the, the things that we do today, things we do tomorrow, the next day, um, those are the things that are going to set us on our trajectory for eternity. And, and I know that this, this may not sound like um, the, the typical Thanksgiving message, and quite frankly, it may sound a little morbid, um, but, but that's really when we think about gratitude and we think about putting gratitude into action, um, it's that trajectory that, that we're looking at. 
Now, but before I, I go any further, I, w- I want to clarify one thing. You know, I'm not just talking about money, about possessions. I mean, sure, sure. The, the way we handle our money, the things that we do with our money um, can be a very good indicator of where our heart is. But what I'm really talking about is what each and every one of us has been blessed with by God. Right. Those those gifts, those talents. Um, what, you know, every single one of us has been blessed by God in, in, in many different ways. And so what I'm talking about is that if we are truly grateful, um, as, as Pastor Phil mentioned last week, if we are truly grateful for those things that we have been blessed with, um, then that gratitude demands action. So let me start out by asking this question. And I'm asking this question of myself as well. How well are things going in preparing for the ultimate retirement? Am I on track? Am I maybe a little bit behind and need to do a little bit of catching up? Or am I at the point where I haven't even started to lay up those treasures for the coming age? Right. I I think that's a fair question that every single one of us can ask ourselves. Um, How am I doing? Um, And and as as we look deeper into this, I want us to turn to a a very familiar parable um, that Jesus told that's found in Matthew chapter 25. Um, If you've got your Bibles and want to follow along, um, it's it's a very long passage, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, It's Matthew 25 uh, verses 14 through 30. So it, rather than reading the thing in its entirety, let me, let me just sum it up for you. Um, so the parable is about a, a master who is going away on a long journey. And before he does, he calls his servants to him and entrusts to them some of his possessions. So to the first servant, he gives, one, he gives five talents. And a talent was, um, some translations say, um, a bag of gold. Right. So a a talent was a a fairly sizable amount of money. Um, So to the first servant, he gives five talents to the second servant. He gives two talents and to the third servant, he gives a single talent. Man goes away and then after a time comes back later um, and then he comes to settle his account with his servants, the ones to whom he has entrusted the talent. The first servant comes to him and says, you gave me five talents. Look, I've gained another five. Second servant comes, the one that got two talents. The second servant comes and says, you gave me two. Look, here I've gained two more talents. And the third servant, the one who got the one talent, came back and said, I took this talent. I buried it in the ground. Here, here's your talent. But he gained nothing. And needless to say, the master was not happy. He took the talent from the third servant, gave it to the first one, and threw the servant out of his household. That's harsh. That's that's rough. Um, But what I want us to think about for, for just a moment is, think about that third servant. Right. Are there things that we can learn from that servant so that we don't end up like that servant? 
Now, I'm, I'm going to take it as a given that none of us want to end up like that third servant, right? None of us want to uh, be in that position. Um, I, I mean, who would? But as I started thinking through this, um, it, it seems like it's so easy of a trap for us to fall into where, where we're completely focused on the present and we're not thinking about the future. We're not preparing for the future. And if you want any evidence of this, um, just look at some of the statistics on retirement savings uh, for today. Right now, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a financial planner. Right. I'm not a financial guru. This is really not my area. But I just did some 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 basic reading. And, and some of the statistics are pretty staggering. As there was a survey uh, 2017, it said about 24 percent of people surveyed said they had almost nothing saved for retirement. Uh, about half the people who surveyed who had actually retired um, said they, they entered retirement sooner than they expected, right? They just ran out of time in preparing for the future. Um, and then most Americans close to retirement have only about 15% or less of what they, they're going to need to live on in their retirement days. So, so if those are the facts... The question to me, and, and this is the most important question, is why? Why is that? You know, why is it that if we know what it is that we should be doing, do we not do it? Um, and that's something that we've been talking a lot about um, in our Sunday morning Bible study, um, about the idea of change and about the idea of transformation. Um, with With the basic idea is that, we have to understand the why before we understand the what, right? That we're not going to change our lives. We're not going to change our behaviors. We're not going to change our spiritual life until we really understand why it is that we do the things that we do. Um, but once we're able to look at those whys, once we're able to pull those things out that are holding us back, and shine some light on them, pull them apart a little bit, then we've started down the path of real transformation. So um, I want to offer up a few whys about why we don't prepare for the future. Again, not from an earthly standpoint, but from an eternal standpoint. See what we can learn from that and see what we might be able to start doing differently in the future. So why don't people prepare for the future, right? Well, the first reason, and, and it, it kind of makes sense, is the future doesn't really feel as real as the present. Um, think about that for a second. How real does something feel that's not going to happen for a year or five years, ten years, twenty years, however long down the road? How real does that feel versus the thing that, We've got to do as soon as we get home from church or tomorrow when we head back to work. I just lost a few of you, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I know. As soon as I, as soon as I said that, I was like, I'm going to lose some people. Okay. If I've lost you, come back. Um, because there's, there's, there's really a good concept here that we kind of need to wrap our heads around. It's, it's this idea of, of what psychologists call cognitive short-sighting, 
or, or, or cognitive nearsightedness. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, that's a, that's a fancy way of saying that the things that are up close, we see them really well. They're very real to us. The things that are far off, we don't really see them so well. If you're nearsighted like me, right, you know exactly what I mean. Things that are up close, I see them fine. If you're on the back row, I'm sorry, you're a little fuzzy. But the thing is, it's that, it's that, it's that desire, it's that bias in our minds, that, that instant gratification that we get on Black Friday, right, um, that, that drives us to focus so much on the present and really not care about the future. The problem is, if we let that go on too long, we, we start just, you know, believing in magic, right? That, that magically, somehow, someday, by some means, we'll all of a sudden change our habits, change our behaviors, and start doing those things differently than, than the way we've, we've always done them in the past. Um, I don't know about you, but that's not me. And, and the odds are that for most of us, um, it's not going to happen. It's just not magically. We're not going to magically wake up someday and say, oh, I need to start doing this when it's not a habit that I've developed. So if that's the first reason that people don't prepare for the future, the second reason is they're willing to rely on someone else to take care of them. Think about that for a second. If you look at the statistics about retirement planning, a lot of what people say is they believe that Social Security will be there in order to take care of them when they retire, and so they don't need to do anything on their own. Now, hear me, I'm, I'm not making a political statement. I'm not making, I don't want to get into a political discussion. I think we've all had enough politics to last us for quite a while. Um, but the reality is that just like we can't rely on someone else for our financial well-being in the future, we cannot rely on someone else for our spiritual well-being in the future. And guys, we're the worst at it. We are absolutely the worst at it. You know, if, if you look at the statistics across, across pretty much any dimension, right, our wives are better at this than we are. They're more engaged in the church. They're more engaged spiritually across really any dimension you want to look at, right? But here's the thing, guys. If it's the wife who is the one who always volunteers, if it's the wife who is always going to the Bible study, praying, making sure that the kids are taught those spiritual truths, right? It's time to step it up. I know, I've been there. I go back there. Right? But we can't live there. We cannot rely, none of us can rely on anyone, not our spouse, our parents, Pastor Phil, small group leader, right? Now, again, this is going to look different for everybody, right? It's going to look different for every family. About what works for you may not work for somebody else. What works for Molly and I may not work for you, right? Don't get, don't get sucked into this idea that there's this one, one, one size fits all for everyone. But 
but the, the simple fact of the matter is, every single one of us is accountable for our spiritual growth. So that's two reasons. The third reason is, and, th- and this one is by far the number one reason that people don't prepare for the future. They have nothing left. Just nothing left over. Um, when the bills have been paid, when the necessities of life have been paid for, um, there's nothing left over. And for me, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say this, for me, this is the one that gets me every time. At the end of the day, right, worked all day, had a long commute home, tired, maybe a little grumpy, maybe a lot grumpy. Thank you. I know. Not supposed to lie in church, babe. But, you know, when I've burned the candle somewhere else and I don't have anything left, all my time, all my treasure, all my talent has been somewhere else, I've I've done what Paul says. I've, I've done that thing that I don't want to do. I don't know why I do the thing that I don't want to do. Right? But I've done it. I've taken that talent that the Master gave me and I've buried it in the ground. And it's just sitting there, covered with dirt, that maybe at some point in the future I'll go dig it up. Got nothing left. Okay, so if those are the reasons why. Let's talk a little bit about what the answer might be. And, and this, is, this is not something that, that is a, 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 a quick fix. Right? As, as Pastor Phil has said, said many times, you, you can't microwave this stuff. Right? This is a long-term process. So, so the bad news is right, there's, there's no quick fix. Um, and I'm, I'm under no illusions that, that 30 or 45 minutes here this morning is going to be earth shattering, life changing, right? This is, a, this is a long process. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the great news is there's nothing holding us back from starting right now. So I've got a, I've got a few suggestions that I want to offer up as just as a place to get started. If you want to go deep on this, um, and yes, this is a little bit of a shameless plug, um, but if, you, if genuinely, if you want to go deep on this, on Sunday morning, starting in January, we're going to be um, in a Bible study downstairs um, going through this very thing. Because this is something that Molly and I are so passionate about, is this idea of transformation, of transformational change. But, but for right now, let me offer just a few suggestions on where to start. Suggestion number one. Be kind to your future self. Okay? Be kind to your future self. Okay, so what do I mean by that? All right, so, so there's this idea that, that behavior psychologists have had for, for a while that, that all of us have two selves. We have a present self and a future self. Let me give you an example. So my future self would love to be in shape. Just thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. My present self wants to order a pizza, sit on the couch, and watch Netflix. 
Guess who wins? Yeah, future self. Future self is here. Future self is in control. Future self is a lot stronger than, than or, or present self is a lot stronger than future self. And so present self will frequently win. But present self can also be nice to future self by just doing some simple strategies. Um, something uh, people, the, the term was coined a while back called a commitment device, which is basically just a fancy way of saying, are there little things that I can do here and there to give me a nudge to, to head down the right path? Think about it for a second. Um, one of the things that, that you hear a lot about is if you're struggling with credit card debt, take your credit cards, lock it up in a box and give the key to somebody else. Right. That's just a simple strategy to get started. Or or let's say you're you're struggling with giving. Right. Maybe you set it up as an auto pay. Right. It, something that you don't have to think about. It just kind of happens. Right. So it's something where your present self can be really good to your future self without a lot of effort, without a lot of pain. Now, there's some downside, downsides to this um, in the fact that it's really easy to cheat, right? And if you do cheat, then you get the double whammy that your present self has cheated. It hasn't been bad, nice to your future self, and your present self feels bad. So not a good, not a good thing. But, but what they can do is kind of get us over the hump to where... We've developed the, the habits, the muscle memory, if you will, that we don't need to, to rely on those things so much anymore. Um, and that really leads directly into the second suggestion of, of what to do. And, it, and it's developing a mindset that says, I own this. When it comes to planning for the future, I own this. Now, I, I know this might sound really trite. Right. Like like if you've ever seen those motivational posters where you've got the, you know, the cat hanging on the tree branch that says, just hang on, baby. Right. Those things are worthless. I'm sorry. I mean, they're horrible. The ones I like are the, the opposite ones, but that's a whole different conversation. But but the thing is, we have to realize that the battlefield starts in our mind. Right. That's change starts in our mind. That's the war that is being fought. Think about it. Think about the book of Daniel. Think about Daniel. Um, it says in, in the book of Daniel, it says Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. He set his mind on what he was and was not going to do. Or, or in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says he resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? And, and he goes on in Romans to say that those who have their minds set on the things of the Spirit live according to the Spirit. Right? So it's, it's that mindset that says, I own this. And, and please hear me. It's, it's not a prideful, arrogant, you know, Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality. It's not a mindset that says we have to go it alone or that we can't give and receive encouragement and help from others. But it's a mindset that realizes that I'm accountable for my own growth. And when I get that mindset, 
I move away from the place that says I ought to. And I move to that place that says I want to. Huge difference. Ought to never solved anything long term. Want to. Want to is the place we want to be. And here's the thing. One of the first things that we're going to find when we move out of ought to and want to that we're going to change. Again, thinking about this idea of why people don't prepare for the future, why they have nothing left over. We're not going to be satisfied with giving God our leftovers. Now, I, 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 it, it, it seems a little bit ironic, right, to be talking about leftovers uh, around Thanksgiving, um, because quite honestly, the, the, I love the leftovers around Thanksgiving. They're great, they're delicious, and they last forever. The fact is, folks, God doesn't want our leftovers. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, there was this concept of first fruits, right? God says, bring me the first fruits. Bring me the first fruits of your crops. Bring me the first fruits of your livestock um, and when he does that, he bring he, he does that with a promise. If you look at Proverbs three, nine and ten, we won't turn there. But Proverbs three, nine and ten, Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. And Jesus re- reinforced this in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember when he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Right. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Right? Pay yourself first. Or or in this case, pay God first and watch and see what he'll do with this. I think it's going to be astounding. Now, don't misunderstand me. I realize this is not easy. Right? It's hard to break out. Of habits and patterns, right? It it may be that you're in a situation where it's just enough to to kind of set up that little spiritual emergency fund, right? Just enough to get me over the hump when something unexpected happens. But it's a place to start. And the last thing that I wanted to mention before we close or as we close the last suggestion and this is where we're going to kind of launch off of in in January is we really want to be growing God's investment in our lives right think about think about the the first two servants right they took what God invest they took what the master had invested in their life and they grew it Right. That's what God's best is for us. Right. Growing. Take the talents that he's given us, every single one of us and grow. And and here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing about God's economy. And it's illustrated in that parable. Right. It's not the amount. It's the return on investment. Right. If you look at those two servants, the first two, one that was given five and one that was given two, they were commended equally. That's the cool thing about God's economy is it's what we do with what we have, not worrying about what someone else has. And that investment 
right? That investment that God has made in us is nothing short of God himself. Think about that for a second. In Romans 8, Paul says we have the first fruits of the Spirit, right? God has invested in every single one of us something of infinite value, himself. Himself in the form of the third person of the Trinity. Right? The Spirit that helps us in our weakness. The Spirit who intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. The Spirit who teaches us all things. The Spirit that Paul says is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That's what God has invested in us. That's what we have the opportunity to grow. So, so this morning, I'll tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a God who loved me enough to invest in me. And to give me the opportunity to grow what he's given. Not because I deserved it. But because he loves me. And gives me the opportunity that when I reach my retirement age, I'm going to hear what those servants heard. They said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and share. To me, That's worth being thankful for. Pray with me, would you? Father God, we thank you so much for this time just to reflect on the blessings you've given us. Father, I just pray that 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 each one of us would 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 Take something away, something that we can hold on to, just a starting point to say, Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful you've invested in us. We're grateful for what we've been given. And Lord, this is what I'm going to return to you with the talents you've given me. Thank you, Lord. In your son's precious name, amen.